Welcome to Raspberry Tea Pod Chat. I'm Claire. I'm Claire. And I'm Jo. <laughs> CCJ. Jo, welcome to a new episode. <laughs> you got there before, man. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening. Whatever it is as you're listening to this. Yes, welcome to Raspberry Tea Pod Chat. Um, slightly different pod chat for us today. Um, something that all three of us have experienced in different ways um however the other claire is going through this with her partner right now and we felt it was an important subject to talk about um not in a doom and gloom way um but it's important that people know what happens and what the process is and how it affects people and etc etc so claire do you want me to introduce what you're going through or do you feel able to? You can do. If you, if you introduce it, it might uh, stop it going round the houses so much. Okay. So Claire's partner has been feeling quite unwell for some time. Um, over the last few weeks, she's gone for some tests. And during a test which involved a camera, um, she was told she has cancer. Um, sort of threw you both off dramatically didn't it because you'd both thought it was something else nothing that serious um very fortunately had to wait just over a week for the biopsy test and then the hospital meeting was it claire uh yeah it was the 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 colonoscopy was on tuesday the 2nd of june a date i will never forget um the time at the hospital was fine due to the current lockdown i was able to well i walked her into the unit but i wasn't allowed on the unit so i had to leave her there she was quite scared uh something she's not normally scared about things in life she she takes everything in her stride and all light-hearted and with humor usually but the colonoscopy was just something a little bit more personal space invasion than she was comfortable with i'm sure lots of people can uh, understand that uh so i i i I left her for the the actual um procedure if you like um wasn't allowed to stay in the hospital even in any way to room at all uh i was advised to go back and wait in the car it was about 28 degrees so uh, i i was sat there in the car with the door wide open thankfully nobody was parking next to me because the car parking was uh very uh lots of free spaces shall i say uh, and free parking at the minute so i don't know if that's every hospital uh but maybe it's something to do with the uh, coronavirus at the minute and the lockdown and the the fact that you can't have uh, visitors if you're an inpatient or outpatients, you're supposed to go on your own unless you need support. Um, or the car parking's been free, which is quite nice because hospital car parks can rinse you for quite a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'd, I'd taken my laptop with me because I expected to wait. Uh, I think the procedure was, should have lasted about an hour and a half. Um, so I was going to do a bit of work while I was waiting. Um, uh, and I did, and the uh, ward clerk called me to say that in about 15 minutes that um, Dee would be ready to collect because she'd had to have a, a sedation to help with the procedure. She wasn't allowed to walk out on her own so that I could go into the ward to collect her. Um, apparently what I didn't know there and then is I could have gone into the ward sooner and heard the news at the same time, but Dee decided that she'd have the news in how would she want to hear the news? 
So I picked her up, so she was all right. She seemed fine. And she said that unfortunately they'd not, not been able to complete the colonoscopy because they couldn't get the camera past the tumour. So she told me in the corridor that it had been a cancer diagnosis, which was, I think, breathtakingly shocking. If, if Kind of one that you think, what? I know what it is, but she said it so calmly and with not panic and everything. Mm. And I think that the longer, by the time we'd got out of the hospital and back into the car and halfway out of Grantham because it's uh, linking to Hospitals Trust because she lives uh, in just outside Mablethorpe. Uh, we had to go all the way to Grantham because that was the place that could do the colonoscopy quite quickly. Um, because this, the um, the doc- I've been thrown out, ladies. See you in again, bit. <laughs> oh, is she still there? Anyway, I'll carry on the story. Mm. Um, so the 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 more time I think that I had for the the news to sink in, yeah, the more it was. It's something to do with that word cancer. Although we live in quite modern times, it's a very scary word. Mm. And I think as, as a human being, your natural reaction is to go straight to worst case scenario. Yeah. Or if you've been through, I, I've not been through it directly before. In my lifetime, both my grandparents have had cancer and they've passed away from it. But we're going back to 1987 and 89, so a long time ago. Uh, and I was only a child then, so you don't really understand all the complexities and things of it, and you certainly don't know about treatments and diagnoses and all that sort of thing. Um, so that was Tuesday, the second of June. We uh, luckily, the, on the up note, we were on our way back from Grantham, and the drive-through KFC was open at the. <laughs> and there was only four cars in the queue, so we were both hungry at lunchtime, and it was kind of. Um, You've just had that diagnosis. Uh, and you just think, what the hell? Yeah, what, 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 what the hell or, or other expletives. Um, uh, and we, we uh, filled our faces with a, a, a family sharing bucket of chicken and then drove home. Because uh, I'm diabetic, I do need to eat. So it was kind of that. But yeah, we, we had a bit of a treat on the way home. And uh, I'm not ashamed to say uh, I'm a very emotional person. Mm-hmm. I get happy things and sad things, and angry things, and all that sort of thing. Um, and I think it was just the the sinking in of the gravity of that diagnosis, because for three years she'd been classed as celiac, basically. Yeah. Lots of different tests and things. And with, it's, it's bowel cancer. With bowel cancer, the um, symptoms are very, very similar between irritable bowel syndrome, known as IBS, or some uh, uh, if you're celiac and you're gluten intolerant, or whether you've got Crohn's disease or ulcerative mm. So everybody's a Google doctor these days. So with the symptoms, we were quite hell-bent on the fact that she'd got ulcerative colitis. Yeah. And we were expecting some sort of bowel reconstruction surgery or something at worst-case scenario. So... They, um, so the cancer diagnosis for me absolutely sort of pulled the rug from under me mentally. Yeah. Because I, I thought we'd got the diagnosis nailed because of the symptoms and this, that, and yeah. the other. Yeah. Um, but it was a cancer diagnosis. 
and then we were told we'd have to wait 10 to 14 days for the biopsy result they'd taken a biopsy from it the when you come out of a colonoscopy they give you a, a, a like a report sheet with photographs on it which are very very graphic yeah and you can actually see the tumor looking black and big and we were told that gladys we've named her gladys and her pips the, the tumor and the polyps around it so again <laughs> trying to put a positive on it and trying to be our normal selves with it she was six to ten centimeters in size um, so there's no wonder that there'd been the pain and the appetite and the problems and everything like that. And everything sort of made sense as to why it had happened and why there'd been a, a deterioration, which I'd seen in the last 12 weeks because we've lived together through lockdown. Mm. I came for a visit on the 23rd of March. We got lockdown and I've been here since. So grateful to lockdown. It's cemented our relationship and it's absolutely brilliant in all but this diagnosis. <clears throat> However... However, however, really glad that she got the tests. So please, 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 anybody that if you lose a lot of weight or you find any blood where you shouldn't normally find blood, absolutely go to the doctors or WebMD or whatever it is you're able to do. And the tests may be scary. They might frighten you. You might not want that sort of... I call it personal invasion, but you have got to do it. Mm. You absolutely have to do it. We have to do things. The doctors are trained. So they see these things all the time. You're a an other person to them. They don't know you. They're not going to judge you. There's none of that. So please, 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 please get tests. Don't back away from uh, further tests that they might want to do. We had to wait a week which was the longest week I think I can ever remember. So from the 2nd of June to the 10th of June, uh, Wednesday the 10th of June was the longest day ever. And around half past four on that day, we got the call from the nurses at Lincoln Hospital uh, because we didn't know what, how bad the cancer was, what was the sort of treatment going to be, what might the outcome be. There was a, a week of what ifs, hugely. And a bit of a, an emotional roller coaster more for me actually these are the one it's happening to but she found it really hard to tell her two daughters who were grown up uh, one's got fam- uh, children herself and her parents she found that that sort of tuesday wednesday the second and third of june the hardest because she was actually telling people that love and care about her that mm. she, she did play it down to them so they didn't worry but like I said at the beginning, you hear that word and you don't know where your mind's going to go. No matter mm. how strong you are, no matter where you are, it, it brings in a certain reaction. Um, thankfully, we've done a lot of research. Um, Macmillan um, Cancer Research UK and Bowel Cancer UK, I think it's called, got some very, very informative websites and downloadable documents that explain all about the body parts the treatments the processes the if that and the other we're, we're both researchers um so i knew the the formula that they use for the diagnosing the stage that's what news we were waiting for from the biopsy so it's measured in a t for tango an n for november and an m for mother so a t and m the t being the tumor 
and that's usually great and they're all graded from zero to four being the worst so when the nurse said that the tumor was a four i kind of put my head in my hands and was thinking oh my god but very quickly she said that the n for the that's whether a, a tumor spread or the cancer spread into your lymph node system was zero and then the m which is the metastases whether it spread to another organ or another part of the body was also a zero so it was the very best good bad news if you like and uh, it brought one of the most biggest smiles on my face ever with with a bit of a tear and i'm i'm filling up now um but the cancer is just in the tumor and because it's the bowel the, there's miles of bowel in us there's so much of it it's yeah. a very stretchy piece of organ or body part so the the forecast plan at the minute which will have confirmed this coming friday with a video call with uh, her oncologist so again force changing the way that things are happening because of the current lockdown situation it's a video call with the um consultant i think um it's probably going to be a con cocktail of chemotherapy and radiotherapy to reduce Gladys, bless her, from a T4 uh, down to a T2 or 3 to shrink the tumour. Um, there's probably going to be a temporary colostomy because the treatment for the tumour exacerbates the symptoms such as the build-up of wind or how you how you go to the loo and it causes a lot of pain and discomfort and blockage and that's really important that there's no blockage and you're still able to go to the loo so they give a they'll probably do a they'll do a, a colostomy temporary hopefully either before they start the treatment or they'll start some treatment and then do it uh, the course of treatment, we don't know yet how, how long that's going to be for or how intense or what the cocktail will be. Um, and then there'll be a bowel resection, so they'll actually cut out Gladys and her, her pips. And then they'll do it. You do, know what? They'll be on that midnight train to Georgia before you know it. <laughs> she will be on that midnight train to Georgia. You can, absolutely. Um, they'll oh, Georgia. They'll, re <laughs> they'll reattach the, the bowel, obviously, without um, Gladys and her pips. And then, obviously, the, the course of treatment should um, complete or when it finishes, hopefully the stoma will be reversed. But if it's not, that's actually been one of the things that we both said, well, we don't care about that. But just, just tell everybody, his daughter was Googling stoma bag covers, wasn't yes. she? Yes, we've had screenshots uh, on Facebook Messenger. We've had the Avengers. We've had SpongeBob. We've had one that says "shit happens." Yes, one that said "shit happens." So, <laughs> if if I think on the grand scheme of things, having a, a colostomy bag or a stoma, which if you don't know, it's basically a bypass of your backside. So when you go to the bathroom, it goes into a bag. That could be very scary for somebody but it's not. I personally, I work in the design industry and one of my first jobs when I left college, I worked on a newsletter for, they're called ostomy care patients, so colostomies and ileostomies basically, which, whichever um, large or small intestine that the procedure's been done. Uh, I, I've always remembered a story, for a, a, an old lady wrote a letter in, because that's how long ago it was, I, I know, I, 
I'm going back a few years. Um, the, the biggest problem she had with her colostomy bag was finding shoes to match. So I think that just shows that if you can see a lighter side or a, an amusing side of it to help you either cope with it, to get your head around it, to accept how your life may change temporary or permanently with whatever it is that you're dealing with. If you can bring some sort of humor into it, it is so beneficial to one, helping you recover, helping you live with it. Uh, the amount of um, poo jokes that have going around in this household, there's just the two of us. And Gladys has been called every name under the sun, you can guarantee, because she is causing a bit of havoc at the minute. There's not a lot of sleep and the batteries are quite flat. We're just waiting for the treatment to start. But it looks like it's a good prognosis. It's treatable, even though it did have that scary number at the beginning. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's looking good, but we laugh, we joke. We're, we're currently on hospital lockdown now. So because uh, Dee's going to have to go into hospital for either the stoma or the start of the cancer treatment, we don't know which is coming first. She can't be at risk of any cold, not even COVID or anything like that. So she's grounded, basically, like a teenager. Uh, and, and I just nip out for the necessary shopping that we need. I've got face masks. I've got hand sanitizer gel in the car. I do not go near any other person. I will stop and wait and be over the top because I don't want to bring anything back that's going to put her at risk. Uh, and yeah, we're just, we're waiting to see how long and what the next steps are. But again, I'm lucky I can work from home. I'm working today. I'm we're still in our lockdown, but it's going to be a little bit longer for us and it should be a good outcome, but we don't know when yet. That's the bit that we're waiting for. My mum lived with a stoma bag because my mum had bowel cancer, but she had to have a whole bowel removed. Um, my mum lived with a stoma bag for many years, many years. Um, and when, when she was first told she got to have one, for her the thought of my dad the thought of her being able to change it and empty it wasn't too bad but the thought of when she got more ill my dad having to do it absolutely terrified her. Mm. um <clears throat> do you know what he did it he just did it and he didn't find it a problem um I'm not sure about uh, uh, finding matching shoes because she was always very colour coordinated my mum down to the lipstick, the earrings, the lot. Absolutely. Appearance was everything. Um, but it leaked a few times. You have to take a spare set of clothes with you when you go out, just in case. I think that's the worst thing about it. Um, but yes, yeah, you live with it very easily for many, many years. Um, and hopefully, hopefully it'll be just a temporary, won't it? So. Yeah. The wonders of modern technology now, I was just going to say that, you know, that they find these things pretty much as soon as they do the investigations, don't they? So mm. um, with D's, it was slightly different. They couldn't finish the actual colonoscopy itself. I think, Claire, you said you've had a few. I've had a colonoscopy. I've had, well. I've had three. because I, My mum's had, my mum had, bless her, three lots of cancer. So I have to have a mammogram every year because my mum had breast cancer, my, her mum had double breast cancer. So I have to have a mammogram every year and um, the slightest issue with my bowel 
and they whipped me in for another colonoscopy yeah. just to be 100% sure because you know if you have that too so yeah but, hey, you touched on it when you said about you know you are just another person to those specialists in in a way you are but you are a, you know you are a special person to them each one is you know just as yeah, important yeah. as everyone else but it's the fact that they will talk to you about absolutely anything i mean you're laid there in the most uncompromising and awkward embarrassing position and yet there's four of them around you and you can watch the camera going along on the screen as you as you sort of laid there watching it sideways in the most uncomfortable state and i was talking about my holiday to nashville i was talking about dolly partner as you do because she comes out everywhere with me doesn't she um but do you know what they are just absolutely amazing i mean if you think about it even when you go for your smear test you've just got to it is not worth taking the chance of not going for a little bit of embarrassment and and claire you said exactly the same thing you know you've got to do it if there's any change that you know it's just something you can't put your finger on even and you just can't work out what it is you've got to go for those tests because those people have been trained in it they see hundreds of people and they will have a conversation with you about anything just to put you a little bit more at ease um, I mean, I've had tubes upwards, I've had tubes downwards to meet in the middle, you know, and, and all sorts of things going on. It's, you've just got to do it. You cannot afford to take that risk. Um, and, and as mum was saying earlier, actually, it's a lot more difficult sometimes for the people on the outside yeah. is for the person going through it. Yeah. So you've just Absolutely. said it about mum about you, Claire. Claire about your mum. Yeah. Uh, you said it about D as well. That the, the, uh, I mean, when we were told mum had got her last lot of cancer, which was in a lymph node and had spread, and there was, you know, came and told us, and I remember the moment they came to a hospital bed and said, you know, it's cancer. And I just went, so when's she having the operation? Yeah. And they went, there is no operation. And we were just, we just looked at, and it, it was a very young junior doctor of some description i don't know what level he was at but he was very young mm. um and we all just looked at him not really comprehending what he was saying yeah he, he actually had to say i'm really sorry but it's a terminal prognosis mm. um as difficult as that was for him me and my dad couldn't wait to get out of there because you hear that and you've got your own emotions and it's such a selfish thing with hindsight it's such a selfish thing mm. we needed to leave my mum because we need to deal with our emotions not, not in front of her yeah. and then i dropped my dad off and he was like are you coming in and i was like no i need to go because yeah. yeah. i needed to be on my own and looking back actually we probably should have stayed at a hospital and Cried and done whatever we needed, but that wasn't my family and isn't my family. We we don't do that really. Um, yeah, it's it's very very. I think mum. I think one of the saddest things that I remember about mum with her last cancer was she went for some other some other department for some other reason in the hospital, and she came back and she said the consultant actually said to me how do you feel about having terminal cancer and nobody's ever asked me that yeah. yeah and it was like no you don't do you think think our generation now do like i'm sure you've said today how are you feeling tell me how this is affecting you 
but with my mum's generation, I mean, my dad's now 86, uh, 89, so my mum would now be 85, 86. Their generation didn't talk about the feelings in the same way. Yeah, I think, I think times have come on. There's certainly a hell of a lot more understanding or information available about mental health, which obviously news of a serious illness encroaches on the mental health because it's how you process it and how you deal with it. Could you try again? Siri's obviously getting involved. (laughs) Um, But that that was the hard thing for me. I'm grateful and I've mentioned it on previous episodes that I do have a really positive mindset and I do have a good mindset and we've talked about our 51% episodes and I really had to draw on that last week. I talked to Claire quite a lot because we do anyway, um, but I had to just think about the 51% and try and think you've got to try and be positive because we don't know anything for certain yet. Mm. So trying to deal with uncertainties is what throws me off. I think that's the worst thing about the whole yeah. thing. It's, it's the waiting period. It's the knowing something's wrong. So Dee was told she'd got cancer, but couldn't be told anything more. And you've got to wait a week and a bit find out and then she's now got to wait a week and a bit to find out what a treatment plan's going to be it's it's and i know they can't avoid that i know that you know the services have to combine and they have weekly meetings between all the different test departments and the oncologists and stuff and i get all of that and i've been through a cancer scare myself Mm -hmm. so i've been through exactly the same process um with mine at sheffield were telling me that i'd got cancer but they couldn't find a tumour. And when they actually sent all my information down to specialists in London, they said, no, it's not cancer at all. It's just something that's not diagnosed very often. Um, I've been through that process myself. You know, I've been through it with my mum. You've been through it with Dee. And well, how are, just to throw a question in, sorry I'm interrupting. You've been through it from a, a relative or a person that cares and it's your mum. From, you've been through from that side. You've also been through the scare yourself. Yeah. When you've kept, finished what you were going to say, just I'm interested no, in no, how how different emotionally or mentally did it did it affect you or make you feel from being either the person with or the person watching? Because Dee said to me it's worse than people watching, but I I know how that felt. I, well, the thing, I have not had that scared myself. So I, yeah, I, I think the thing the thing was for me that they were telling me that it was ovarian cancer and ovarian cancer, you've got a five year prognosis. Right. Some people last longer than five years, nobody lasts longer than 10. So I've got a young daughter, single mom, potentially got five years to live. Um, so from that point of view, it was very frightening. But what I did was immediately start researching other things, other things you can do. Um, I uh, bought and paid for a specific diet because there's a lot of research and who knows how true it is, but there's a lot of research that says cancer cells cannot live without sugar, not just refined sugar, but natural sugars that are in the foods that we eat. So I'd got that ready if they told me I had got cancer. Um, Because of my previous clinical therapy training, I'd done a lot of um, 
work back then with epigenetics and the fact that stored negative emotions can trigger cancers and things like that and I'd also as part of those studies read books of people who'd cured their own cancers mm. um, through dealing with stuff down emotions for want of a better phrase so I was getting all prepared and ready um, I think the not knowing is probably more frightening than knowing because you know what you're dealing with once you know that, yeah. that information is you know you, you can deal with something once you know it's, it's like somebody lying to you when you know that they're lying to you you just mm. tell me the truth however bad it is yeah because i can deal with it then it's it's that limbo land isn't it mm -hmm. so i was i was just prepared to fight with everything that i'd got um fortunately you know it, i've got something that's wrong with me that's throws out the same signals in blood tests and and all that sort of thing um isn't cancerous so it's it's absolutely fine um but yeah it's i think it was di i think it's different for me it was different for me with my mum as well because with you it's your partner <laughs> and with me, my mum and she got my dad it's it's always really strange isn't it so so it was yeah it was my mum and dad that were fighting it and i was just on the outside a little bit i guess yeah and um, so we found out that my stepfather had esophageal cancer um in the may june time um we thought it was getting better with some of the treatment he'd not been good but he, he carried on taking the treatments and then decided that that was it he was stopping the treatment um, but by that point it had actually um, spread anyway um, and we lost him seven months later mm. and for me the the most difficult bit was watching mum go through it yeah because he was um, I mean he, he knew everything you know he he was a lecturer in drugs and narcotics at Sheffield University so of course he he knew he didn't need to do the research he knew um, and he was so organized and, and everything was, you know, sorted out. They'd, they'd only got the seven months, which was very, very sad. Um, but watching mum go through it was more difficult. Um, yeah. During that time as well, I went into hospital to have my tonsils out, what we thought was going to be a straightforward tonsillectomy. Um, and they ended up removing my tonsils, my adenoids, the dangly thing at the back of your throat, some of the, the bit in my throat as well. Um, and what seemed to be a tumor. Um, now that was not what we were expecting at all. So I thought I'd gone in and I would be going home that day. Um, and then when the surgeon came around later, he said, you'll not be going home today. It was worse than we thought. And of course you're half awake, half asleep coming around for your anesthetic and you're thinking, wow, what, what's going on? Um, the following morning when he came round, he brought the group of students around with him um, and said, yes, this young lady's just had a mass removed from her throat. But he did actually say to me, we don't know what it is but be prepared which when i'd gone in for a straightforward tonsillectomy was a shock mm -hmm. and of course and in front of all the students as well yeah, it was it was very very not private is it no, no it was it was a very surreal experience that's all i can describe it as um mum was there as she always has been through everything for me she came to pick me up and of course i'm sitting there and i'm thinking what if it is and she's like, but it isn't, it's not, let's just say it's not. But you can't help in your head think, actually it could be because I know what the symptoms are, I know how I've been feeling. Um, 
and this has gone on for years with my throat I've always had these issues and I thought what if they finally found this and that's what it is but I mean it hasn't been it's been absolutely fine um that's why I laugh so strangely though <laughs> it's unique it's you was it mutley <laughs> you've got the best laugh ever you, you do have the best laugh ever do. quite a lot as well so you can talk to me one day and my voice changes the next day and it's everything's going on in my throat it's just the weirdest thing but you know I'd, I've come through that and I've been absolutely fine and you do cope with things in such different ways everybody yeah. is different so you know it, from an outsider's point of view it is so difficult to know what to do because as individuals we're all well, we are individual, aren't we? So we're all going to do. I've got a friend now who, who her and her husband are in their early thirties, and he's literally got weeks. Yeah. Um, and I just send her an odd message every few days saying, "Thinking about you both," because what what do you do? You can't. You, know? you can't. You, do you can't. We we've both had messages like that. I think. Yeah. In in the week, the the limbo week from being told because it was quite blatantly obvious. Even Dee said when she could see the camera, she could see because mm. he'd uh, nursed her father through cancer and, yeah. and things like that before. And she'd, uh, she used to be a prison officer and she'd been with a, a prisoner to, for her colonoscopy and seen the pictures and had that diagnosis. So she kind of been in and around it before. So she knew before they said it, really. Um, she did say that the, the, the nurse was very kind and she said she looked a bit pale at the end of it and offered her a cup of coffee and some biscuits and she got two, two packets of biscuits because they thought it was cancer. <laughs> <laughs> so there's, there's always... There's always Like a style. The style, the humour is always there. But that, that limbo week, I just felt I need to do something. I think we're, we're going to be leaning on the NHS, as amazing as it is, and Macmillan nurses to support um so i decided that what I, I need to do something um and a, a challenge for me I've, I've kind of since i've been living in the middle of a golf course got got the golf bug back uh it's not it's been about 10 years since i've played um i've decided to do a challenge for mcmillan cancer to do a th a, it's like golf juggling it's a thousand keepy ups with a <laughs> with a golf club um that's you know it sounds completely impossible for me. I won't be able to do one. Well, I started off at none and one, and uh, last night I did quite a few twenty six, twenty seven, thirties, as well as a few sixes, fives, tens, thirteens, whatever's. Uh, so you're gonna have to you're gonna have to have a whole day in theory to do a thousand. I th I think the hour I spent practicing yesterday, I probably hit the five hundred, but my That's goal good. is to do them in. 25 to 50s chunks yeah or hundreds chunks uh and i don't think i'm going to be able to do it in one go um i have what, I, a whole thousand can't do a thousand in one go and i don't think i've got the time to practice to be able to get to that but you never know i don't even think the pros can do it in one go can they can they do a thousand yeah if you if you go onto the it's a it's a there's a mcmillan uh golf keepy ups challenge and a couple of the there's there tend to be guys that do it. I've only seen one girl that's doing it. Yeah. But they they do it in one go. One one young young guy did it starting off in his backyard. He went in the back door, round the kitchen, round the living room, out the front door, out the front gate, down the street, still maintaining control of this little ball on this club. 
But I thought on the tiniest of little areas as well, I isn't can't it? Do something it's got to be a challenge. Does it make a difference which have you use? Yeah, you you um you ideally need to use one that's got more loft on it. So it the clubs basically go like that as the numbers increase. Yeah. Uh, the the club what, I've what got with loft? Sorry, the flatter then. It will be the flatter the set, yeah. not the flatter because they're more flat. The, but the, 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 end, flat the end of the club, if you think like it's foot. The yeah. loft's in the attic. <laughs> not on a golf course. <laughs> yeah, no, the, the angle that the okay. club will project the ball to when you hit Fair. it in golf yeah. is called loft. So the higher number the club, or if it's a pitching wedge or a sand wedge, they have more loft. This particular one I've got is 55 degrees. But you have Come to it. Just to sum this up for those of us who aren't really aren't interested in golf clubs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you, yeah. Actually set, you actually set a target, didn't you, to raise 300 pounds for that million? I did, yeah. I noticed this morning it's at something like 865 pounds. Is it 865 pounds? There's been some extremely generous people. That's amazing. Yes. Amazing. Oh, she's welling up. She's, if you're not watching this, she's welling up. She's going to find it difficult to speak for a moment or two. Um, I think we need to wrap up. Um, I think we just want to say to anybody who is either suffering themselves or supporting anybody through it, our hearts go out to you. We're with you. Um, try and stay as positive as possible. Lots of people say watching mindless TV programs that just take them away from their situation and keep them feeling happy yeah, and, and just make them forget about it and laughing for a while helps massively. Um, look into your diet because the doctors won't tell you about that, but look into your diet because that can have massive effects on, on both the treatment and the actual cancer itself. And do anything that makes you feel positive anything at all because feeling positive no matter what the prognosis is is not going to be a bad thing the listen, listen to you the body's the one i've been saying because Dee's one of those people that's always doing something she's never sat down she's never resting and she feels like she should still do these kind of things but i've kind of used it your battery's flat you need to listen to your body if your body's saying i need to sleep then you're having a nap mm. stop fighting it there's nothing wrong with it. You're not lazy. You're not idle. You're not deciding, oh, I can't be bothered today. I'm not doing anything. Your body is telling you it's got a flat battery. So don't think yourself, don't hold yourself to your normal standards. No. Give yourself a break. Yeah. Try admit, you, admit you, need to, you need to take it a bit easier. Yeah. And look after yourself. And, and, just, and just listen to your body. And thankfully we both laugh about things i mean she came out of the diagnosis making jokes about it. it took me a while to get up to the same speed but i was gonna say she spoke to me on the phone on the drive home from the hospital and told me what they said so she was amazingly strong absolutely she's 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 my hero amazing but yes look after yourselves look after one another if you need to cry cry if you need to laugh laugh um and get through it as best you possibly can but don't go into the depths of despair please talk to somebody get support macmillan and loads of other cancer charities are out there to help you um tap into what you need to tap into because that's what they're there for um not using people like macmillan is doing those nurses out of a job think of it that way don't think you're bothering them that's what they're there for 
So, Absolutely. yeah. On that note, ladies. Time yes. for a brew. Time for a brew. <laughs>